All right, everybody. Welcome to BO Boys for Monday, October 3rd. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Clayton, what a weekend at the box office. I mean, we had two new releases this weekend, uh, two new big studio releases, and one of those releases had a reason to smile. And one of those reasons, one of those other releases did not have quite a reason to smile. So, Clayton, do you want to give us a plow for the weekend of Friday, September 30th, and let us know which movie had a reason to smile? Number one, Smile. $22 million in its first weekend. Number two, Don't Worry Darling. Made $7.3 million, down 62%. It added eight theaters. It's at $32.8 million in its second weekend. Number three, The Woman King, made $7 million, down 36%. Lost 261 theaters. It's at 46.7 in its third weekend. And number four... Rose made $4.8 million in its first weekend. Ouchie, wouchie. Number five, Avatar re-release made $4.6 million, down 55%. No theater change. It is at $779.1 million in its 668th weekend. And that is your top five. Wow. So Avatar re-release in its 668th weekend came within about a hundred thousand dollars of making the same amount as the opening weekend of billy eichner's bros so they, they yeah. you know that's a stats to throw out there also you stopped at five but number six was a uh, a, a new release called Panian selvan part one so a, a foreign film was only in 500 theaters that movie made four point one million dollars, so that movie also was in in shooting range of Bros at number four. So yeah, I mean, it's theater. It's, it's, it's something to it's something to chew on there. Yeah, its per theater earnings were eight thousand two hundred dollars, and Bros were one thousand four hundred and thirty three. Yeah, so I mean, we've seen that a lot with these sort of Bollywood films. Also, I guess a big thing with these Bollywood, these these Indian films, is is having part one be in the title. You know, you don't see part ones a lot in movie release titles because it really does assume a lot. It's basically telling you there will be a part two. I don't know if yes. maybe these movies were getting them so after the fact that maybe a part two has been made has come out who knows but but i i do i'm starting to like the brashness of titling movies with a part one it really it really well, does announce uh, announce yourself there i feel like isn't the next mission impossible a part one it is but also that is actually like part seven of a series so i think they yeah. they have a uh, you would think they they have a reason to presume that they will have a part two off of that part one because the part one is actually part seven. So yes, um, uh, yeah. But all to say, I mean, do we want to start with the good news? Do we want to start with Smile? I was going to say, do we want to celebrate Smile or Barry Bros? I mean, okay, let's talk Bros. And, and not to Barry uh, Bros. Okay. Ne- listen, neither of us are gleeful about this we want all movies to succeed we want studio comedies a genre we desperately want to see make a comeback i mean bros was touted as the you know the the sort of the hope for the future of studio comedies and and so we didn't want to see another studio comedy bomb but it is what it is Mm -hmm. and I'll start off with a with a bit of uh letting you clayton pat yourself on the back because Last week on our weekend preview episode, you did in fact predict that Bros would open number four, which to me sounded shocking because this mm-hmm. movie had just gotten so much press and marketing and Universal went all in on this. And it's in what, 3,000, 4,000 theaters? You know, it's in uh, 3,350 theaters. So I didn't think number four was where it was going to be, but you nailed it. You nailed it. 
I did. And I said, I, I think I said it was going to make like six or so million. And th- this went even lower. And, and off mic, we talked afterwards. And I, and I said, you know, in confidence to you, I think this could go lower. Right, right. And the reason I didn't say it on the show is because, again, I, I you know, I wanted this film to succeed. Yes, yes. Me calling it the number four movie, I didn't want that to be true. Right. I wanted this, I wanted bros to say, you know what? You're wrong. Right. I'm the number two movie in America. Because, right. I mean, there's no way it was going to beat Smile. Right. But, Smile's a, you know, a mini phenomenon. Exactly. So that's why, and I, but there was something in my gut. I mean, it's everything we have said previously. It's everything you're hearing that it just wasn't marketed correctly. It was a movie that, you know, I, I, it's not like they didn't spend. It's not like they didn't put out the money and the marketing to have awareness for this film. It's just not a film that people in big numbers wanted to see. Yeah. I mean, that's just the facts. I mean, it's proven itself with its box office. You Listen, you could obviously spend enough on marketing where people are going to know about something and people have to know about it before they could see it. But you can't, you could spend as much as you want. You can't force people to see a movie and people were aware of bros and they just didn't want to go. I mean, I think that one thing I hope the take takeaway, obviously we hope the takeaway isn't that comedies are dead at the box office, you know, which is possible and it's sort of conventional wisdom, but I hope this isn't the nail in that coffin. Obviously, we don't want the takeaway to be that you can't have gay leads in a movie or, or that, you know, you, you, you can't have a, a, a that that type of demographic. Uh, uh, you can't have that as the, the focus of a movie. We don't want that to be the takeaway because that isn't yeah. true. But yeah, I, I think true. that one thing that maybe has to be accepted coming out of this weekend is just getting really micro Billy Eichner as the lead. He himself, not as the symbol of gay people, just Billy mm-hmm. Eichner as a movie star is not something viable. And that's okay. There's plenty of, of comedy people and plenty of uh, actors who have some amount of fame who don't work as a movie star. I think this is clearly Billy Eichner himself is not going to work as a movie star. Here, let me give you an. Uh, let me give you a, 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 a kind of a an example of such a person, right? The late great Norm Macdonald. Yes, hilarious guy, right? Beloved in the comedy community, well known. He was on SNL. Yep. He had his own sitcom for a hot minute, but he never hit in movies. And it's not because he wasn't funny, and it's not because people didn't like him or weren't aware of him. It just didn't work. Yes. And for whatever reason, it didn't work. And that's just one of those things. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can be Eddie Murphy. Not everybody can be Adam Sandler. Not everybody can be Melissa McCarthy. Right, right, right. There, Especially within comedy, there are just some styles that are too niche and idiosyncratic and again when we say niche we're just talking about the comedy style and Mm -hmm. norm mcdonald's a perfect example dirty work came out june 1998 again another movie that at the time the studio which was universal thought that they maybe had a hit on their hands because they had oh yeah they had the star norm mcdonald who was uh hot at the time, you know, coming off of getting fired on SNL, a lot of press. Like you said, people in comedy loved him. They moved the release date to the summer. And that movie opened up with $3.6 million. And it bombed. Yeah. And it just, you know, was out of theaters immediately. Someone else that I thought of, one of my all-time favorite comedians, Chris Elliott. Another case mm. of just a very specific comedic persona that had a niche audience, you know, late night with David Letterman in the eighties, people loved all his stuff. 
gives him a big screen movie. Cabin Boy comes out January 7th, 1994, opens to $1.5 million, has two weekends in the box office, and is never heard from again in movie theaters. There are just types of comedy personas or comedy stars that mainstream audiences just cannot hook onto their comedy at that level. I'll throw out one more one more example, more recent than Dirty Work and Cabin Boy, but another Judd Apatow produced comedy. And the movie and a superstar. Pop star. Or not superstar, pop star. Yep. Never stop, never stopping or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So pop star starring Andy Samberg and the Lonely Island, which like Billy on the Street or like Billy Eichner, very big internet fame, you know, very big, not like a, and coming off of SNL. So Andy Samberg uh, in a movie produced by Jed Apatow came out in the summer, summer of 2016. Movie debuts June 3rd, opens to $4.6 million. Looks like it has three weekends in the box office, tops out at $9.3 million. And again, another movie that, People were pinning a lot of hopes onto this is going to be a big comedy. This is a rising comedy star. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. Even with someone like Andy Samberg, who's gone on to television success. Yes. But is just not going to work on a big screen the way a Will Ferrell or an Eddie Murphy or people like that do. And Mm -hmm. I think it is safe to say that is going to be where Billy Eichner ends up. I mean, I, I yeah. don't think coming off of this, you're going to... They make so few comedies anyway. I don't think there's going to be a rush to make another Billy Eichner-led comedy. I mean, I think he got a shot the way Chris Elliott had a shot, Norm MacDonald had a shot, Andy Samberg had a shot, and sometimes you miss that shot and you're not a movie star. Yeah, and I mean, like Anthony D'Alessandro said in his Deadline article this weekend, obviously must read every weekend... That this movie going theatrical, even with its failure, mm-hmm. still adds value yes. to it as a streaming option for Peacock. Yep. It's just true. If this thing drops on Peacock, then it, it's its cultural cachet would be zero. At least people are talking about this movie. Yes. Even in failure, they're talking about this movie. But if it just dropped on Peacock, we had no clue how many people actually streamed it, and it just came and went. It, it's like it didn't even exist. So the fact that it went to theaters, more people are going to be like, well, you know what? I didn't go see this in theaters. I'm at home. So now that I'm at home, maybe I can make a decision that I wouldn't make if I was spending $20 right. or spending – you know. $70 with like popcorn and jujubes and also, a, uh, you know, a couple hours with a babysitter for right. the kids. Right. Right. So like, that's the thing. Um, middle America has to think about so many things when they go see a movie, as opposed to us who are on the, you know, we're, 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 um, uh, coastal elites. Right. We can just walk, uh, to a bodega and right next to that is like, oh, look, there's a movie theater. Uh, I'll see bros. Right, right, right. Right. We have a you great know. and we love having a great as coastal elites. But, you know, I think I think, yeah, that that's totally true. And even PVOD. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the fact that this came out in theaters, obviously a big part of that, as Matt Bellany talked about when he was on our show uh, a, a month or two ago, when you release a movie in movie theaters, you put a big ad spend. So, of course, there'll be way more awareness when it drops on PVOD and and streaming. So you, they're paying for that awareness, but it'll it'll definitely help when Bros goes to PVOD, which at this point is probably going to be 2 weeks. You know. 17, it'll be 17, 17 days, days, right? That's yeah. that sort of I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming. Right. That's a universal sort of unspoken rule is when a movie like this kind of bombs it'll it'll be there quicker it'll be there within 17 days so mm-hmm. i think you might as well i mean it's i don't think bros is going to have some kind of resurrection this week i do think that the the story of this movie's box office run is pretty clear you know who yes. knows it's got great reviews and it's gotten a great cinema score from people who've seen it 
But I mean, I think the biggest case with any comedy is just do people hook onto the star as someone that they want? Because you look at mm-hmm. all the hit comedies over the years, so often they really just come down to people want to watch this movie star at this time in their career. So you get mm-hmm. that stretch where people will see anything Jim Carrey's in. They'll see anything that Melissa McCarthy's in. I mean, you look at something like The Boss even making the amount of money that it did or Tammy yeah. getting out to 90 million domestic. That's a case of just people will see anything Melissa McCarthy stars in at for those couple of years, that four or five Absolutely. year run. And yeah. that's the most important thing for most comedies, Breaking Big. And I just don't think Billy Eichner... Again, not only because of the comedy, because it's we'd say the same thing for Chris Elliott, Andy Samberg, Norm MacDonald, a lot of niche comedy stars who just are not movie stars. I mean, look at the Jerky Boys. Exactly. I mean, Jerky Boys, yep. phenomenal platinum records. Yep, that's right? a perfect example. The biggest pranks. I mean, the kids don't realize mm-hmm. how how much, how popular you have to be as a... As a duo who call up uh, people and do pranks mm-hmm. where no one can see you to then get a movie yep. with yourself in it. Like the actual physical jerky boys are on camera. Yep. That is an amazing amount of popularity. Yep. And this is pre-internet. This is pre considering the possibility of an internet you know that the, the oh, jerky yes. boys heyday is uh way before email way before you know uh, the internet was a gleam in al gore's eye and to yes. get that kind of popularity for pranks pre-internet is unprecedented so the relevant part of this is the jerky boys movie their niche comedy stars everyone's thinking are these the next Jim Carrey or these the the next big movie theater comedy stars, they get their movie. Oh, this is the next Hope and Crosby. Yes, yes, and their movie comes out February third, nineteen ninety five, opens to four point three million dollars, and okay, we so learn yeah. that the Jerky Boys, in fact, are not movie stars. They are niche comedy stars, but they are not theatrical movie comedy stars and that's fine they're great pranksters i mean billy eichner you are in great company with the jerky boys so don't i know i know he's out there tweeting and he's he's upset and we understand it was a labor of love and uh he he's he he's not happy about this box office but i think with time he'll understand that it really was just about that and not you know it was really just about like people did not hook into this as a big comedy that was going to make them fall out of their seats laughing. Yeah. Which is what they want. And I mean, he's definitely, you know, he's upset and he's, he's tweeting, uh, uh, you know, his disappointment. I would advise anyone who's listening to this, who, if you are ever in a position where you have a movie opening up, I would not tweet, uh, in a state of uh, of uh, having gotten bad box office news, mm-hmm. yes, you yes. know, I think you gotta lock your phone away yes. when you're the star of a movie and you get that deadline article calling your movie a disaster. You you mm-hmm. can't tweet after you get bad box office news. You you know you can't drink and drive. You can't take swim pill, after eating. Swim after eating. Take pills and operate a tractor. And you can't tweet after you get uh, you open up number four at the box office when you were projected to open up one or two. You know, obviously, yeah, opening up number four could be great depending on the size of your movie. So, you know, he he just should, and it's got to be tough. Obviously, listen, if Twitter existed in February 1995, and the Jerky Boys were on Twitter. When the Jerky Boys movie opened up to a disappointing $4.3 million, God knows what the Jerky Boys would have been tweeting back Mm -hmm. then. So I got to give Billy Eichner, obviously, you know, it's disappointing. 
the Jerky Boys, they would have been disappointed back when their movie opened. I'm sure Chris Elliott, when Cabin Boy came out, you know, you're disappointed when you are, uh, when it becomes clear that you're not a comedy movie star. That's a tough, tough thing to deal with. It's a tough Monday morning, tough Sunday night to deal yeah. with. Yeah. Although I do think it's possible that the Jerky Boys, you know, got the phone numbers of some of the theater goers or people who didn't go see their movie or went and saw a different movie. And maybe, you know, maybe they got a uh, call from Sal Rosenberg or mm. uh, Frank Rizzo. I mean, it's possible that that's how they enacted some revenge. Right. Or theaters that didn't show the Jerky Boys movie that weekend. Yeah. They called the theater, they called the theater and did a prank. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. That probably yeah, happened. Yeah. But. Um, you know, what, listen, everyone deals with disappointment in their own way. So, I mean, I, I think to me, that's the, the, you know, everyone is, is, uh, you know, there's bad faith arguments. There's, there's things about, I don't, I, I don't know. I think with bros, it just comes down to Billy Eichner didn't connect personally as a big comedy star that was going to get people out to the theaters and getting people out to the theaters for studio comedy isn't easy. It's not. I mean, that's the thing is like, it's so difficult. What, what they were trying to do just in the fact that it was a comedy feels impossible right Right. now. It really does. I mean, a movie that came out just this past year that we may have, you know, I think we may have even mentioned it when we were looking at our weekend preview is February, 2022. You had marry me, from Universal starring mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson. I mean, those are two big stars. Jennifer Lopez is a movie star. Jennifer Lopez is famous on a level that someone like Billy Eichner could could barely even imagine. Like mm-hmm. light years more famous than than Billy Eichner. And even Marry Me only opened to $7.9 million, you know, this mm-hmm. year. So it just shows. Right now, it is really difficult to open a studio comedy, a studio rom-com. You know, a Jennifer Lopez movie still only made a little under $8 million. So, Bros always had a tough road to hoe, you know, in the current climate, which is unfortunate because we don't want to acknowledge that studio comedies are dead, and I hope they're not. But you gotta have just that star who who kickstarts the whole thing. It's gonna. It's like any other business. It's star driven, and until we have that next big mainstream comedy star, these are the kind of openings you're gonna get for studio comedies. Mm-hmm. Now let's celebrate Smile. Yes, yes, yes. So you went a little bit high on this. I went a lot high on this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we were psyched about this. And I, I, you know, listen, I didn't actually think this thing was going to make twenty six or twenty seven. Did I nail I it? Did I say twenty two on Friday? No, you said it was going to make more than Black Phone, which yes. was twenty three point something. So you thought it was going to make twenty four. I had a twenty four. You're right. But you know who nailed it? Yes. Wanna be oh boy Austin. Yes. He nailed it exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know why? Because he is in the coveted demographic of 18 to 34, which had a 68% turnout for this. Wow. That's why it over-indexed. He was keyed in. He was keyed in. He's keyed in. Yep. And this had a B-minus cinema score, which was the same as Don't Worry Darling, but it made more money, and it's because young people came out for this film. Yep. And multicultural audiences, 40% Caucasian, 32% Hispanic and Latino, 16% Black, 7% Asian, and 5% other. This is the kind of movie, horror movies tend to be pretty diverse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was great. I mean, this was marketed to all demographics. Targeting the young, and the young came out. Twenty-two million dollars, and this went up over the weekend. It started nineteen, then twenty, then twenty-two. That is a good sign. Yep, yep. It had good word of mouth, and yeah, this it's cinema score with horror movies. You can almost always throw out the window because it 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 kind of doesn't matter. Um, the horror movie fans, they reviews and all all that kind of stuff. As long as you give them with the horror movie promises, they're going to be happy. And I saw smile on Friday and it mm-hmm. delivers what the trailer says, you know, and the trailer had a hook. 
which is you're going to see a smile before the 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 gruesomeness and that is what this movie gave it gave there were three or four scenes with giant smiles and then gruesomeness and that is all you need in a horror movie is that big hook of something kind of new which isn't really new because you know we've seen smiles in horror movies before but Mm -hmm. the hook and deliver the hook and that's what this movie did and the young audiences, the young, diverse audiences were really happy with us. Yeah. And so here's a little uh, uh, percentages of why people came. This mm-hmm. is the Comscore Screen Engines post track mm-hmm. uh, that says they decided to buy tickets for Smile because 41% came because it was a horror movie. Yep. Of course, it's Shocktober. Why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, technically, it wasn't Shocktober until Saturday, but still. And, and we saw the increases over the course of the weekend. You know, it, absolutely. when the yeah. calendar flipped from September into Shocktober on Friday into Saturday, more people were coming out on Saturday because Shocktober really is horror month. 27% came with a friend who wanted to see it. That's great because yep. that means that what if this is a movie with multiple people coming and also it's a horror movie. So you want to have that person to look to, to laugh with. If you're watching a horror movie by yourself, it can be more terrifying because you're just looking at strangers. That, that's how I and saw if, it. I saw it by myself and I was definitely more scared than I would have been if, if I had someone else with me. And even more so for this movie because usually when somebody wants to be friendly to you, they'll smile at you. Right. And if you're in a, a theater watching Smile and you're looking for somebody to be nice to you and they you turn to them and they smile at you, you're going to – you're going to jump out of your seat. Right, you're going to run right, out of that theater. There's right, going to be right. a U-shaped uh, hole uh, on the back wall or right. through the screen. Right, right. At 25% said they heard it was good, which is great word of mouth. Right. Yeah, I mean, now, the, here's the reviews the, on Smile, you know, and, and uh, you know, you don't want to give critics too much weight, but the reviews on this are good. And I saw it. This is good. Smile is better mm-hmm. than the average horror movie of this level. You know, I think that the quality of this movie had something to do with, listen, the main thing is that it was horror and that it was horror Mm -hmm. with a hook, but the fact that it was just better made than this type of movie usually is, is only going to help. And, you know, it's very exciting that in the last couple months, we've had two young, new horror directors Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Zach Krieger, of course, the writer-director of Barbarian, who we've had on this show. Listen to that interview. It's a great interview. Probably the best interview he's done in his publicity cycle. I mean, if I don't say so myself. Yeah, probably. And then Parker Finn, who is the director of this movie, mm-hmm. like you said, he took a premise that could have been more low rent, could have been more of a Slender Man type movie, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, made it something special. And so that's the th- there's this new generation of horror directors. You know, you got Ty West, who's not a young man, but he's you know Ty West had X, and and then he had uh, Pearl, which is a, a a spectacular film. I mean, you're seeing these names and these these horror directors really coming out with some cool stuff now, and it's very exciting. Yeah, and it's exciting because, you know, we come off of talking about another studio comedy that bombed, but horror really continues to be just one of the brightest spots at the box office, you know, one of the Mm -hmm. few types of movies other than superhero movies that just continuously delivers at the box office. I mean, even something like The Invitation in August the doldrums of August, that movie being able to make it 7.5 million its opening weekend really shows that horror is the thing that will get young people out to the movie theater. And Mm -hmm. it's good to see that there are interesting new filmmakers or, you know, or, or people like Ty West who are in their prime who are also making good horror. It's not just schlock. That is getting, you know, teenagers out just for the hell of it. But there's quality movies in the horror genre and that the horror genre is helping keep the the box office alive on weekends when there's not a superhero movie. And uh, going back to Post Trek really quickly, because they also polled people for what was the most effective 
marketing for mm-hmm. Smile. Mm-hmm. And 15% said the in-theater trailer. Great. Now, this is really important because this trailer was in front of every movie, it felt like, that we saw in the last couple months. Yes. And so here's the thing. The movie business is a perpetual motion machine, right? Where you have the reason Elvis did Baffa, Bobo, first weekend, it was it was trailered before Maverick, yeah. right? Big hit leads to big hit, leads to big hit, leads to big hit. Barbarian, you see the smile trailer before Barbarian. You love Barbarian. Right. And you're thinking, oh man, I want to see the next fun horror movie. Oh, Smile, I'm gonna go see that. Then something's trailered before Smile. The movie companies, studios, you need to put things in the theater so that your bigger hits or the things you wanna be hits later down the road have awareness, right, right? Right. If you have these months or not months, but weeks where there's these this desert and people don't go to the theater, they could be missing out on a trailer for something you want to be huge. Right. Or you want people to be aware of. Right. And that's why the trailers are very important. And that's why you have to have product in the theaters. Right. And and I mean it's a it's a give and take because right now Quality of trailers is almost more important than ever because I do think the fact that there's fewer movies, mm-hmm. people are seeing these – the people who do, do go to movie theaters are seeing the same trailers over and over again because back in yes. a time when there were more movie releases – you'd also have more trailers and therefore there'd be some trailers you wouldn't see over and over again because there'd be so many rotating in and out. It, mm-hmm. it is a situation where if you go to the movies a lot, you're seeing the same three or four trailers constantly because those are the only movies opening up the following month. So the yeah. fact that Smile's trailer was also so effective is important because people are seeing that over and over again. And if it's a if it's a bad or mediocre trailer, that's an automatic no for them, dog. You know, Absolutely. whereas the Smile trailer yes. works, it has the gimmick. It has the mm-hmm. gimmick, and that is. With horror, it's you got to have that one thing that cuts right through and people know, oh, I'm going to get to see this four times in the course of the movie. And that's exciting. And there's no horror movie opening next weekend. No, there is not a horror movie coming out on Friday, October 7th. There's a kid's movie and there's a uh, David O. Russell drama. So Smile is going to have another weekend of Shocktober pretty much to itself at the box office. And you know what? I might see this movie this coming weekend. And it, like just like Barbarian, I was a week late on that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the thing is I think Smile is going to have decent legs for a horror movie because it's going to be the only horror option other than Barbarian until Halloween ends. Yes. Yes. And not Halloween ends as in the end of the Halloween season, the movie Halloween ends. Yes, which comes in the middle of the Halloween season. Um, Yeah, I mean, Smile is a success. Um, I don't know if it is a movie star making performance. I think it is definitely a director enhancing performance. The director Mm -hmm. for... uh, uh, Parker Finn, I think, is going to come off of this. I mean, super hot. You open your first movie to $22 million, you're in a great place. It didn't, as I predicted, I thought it would do a little more than Black Phone. It didn't do that. And I think going forward, it has no chance of a Black Phone level cue. No. Uh, I mean, listen, Black Phone had a, a star in, in Ethan Hawke, came out in the summer. It, it, that movie's legs were incredible, but it had more going for it long term. I mean, Smile is a smash, whatever it does from this point forward. If it drops oh, the off the face of the earth, it's a movie that already yeah. made a profit by making $22 million already. And this is one of the first movies in a little while to make over 20. Yes, it's the first movie to make over 20 since Bullet Train opened to 30 at the beginning of August. So, I mean, yeah, you know, you had a couple of close calls, Woman King and Don't Worry Darling both made 19. 
Uh, so this is the first 20 we've had in over a month. So it's huge. Mm-hmm. Almost two months. Yeah. So we'll get to Bullet Train. Uh, it went over 100. It's at 101. It was a 101 million. It's at number eight. Mm-hmm. And we said we were going to divvy up the millions, which yes. is something that we do. We're actually going to do that on Thursday. Okay. So, so we we'll will save divvy, that. We will divvy up the millions on Bullet Train because it's gone over 100, which mm-hmm. is great. I mean, this, and then you you look at Lost City. I mean, two adult skewing sort of old school star movies making over 100. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is this is great. But let's talk about Don't Worry Darling. A okay. movie that when I saw that this was only its second weekend, I mean, I know it's cliche, but it feels like we've been talking about this movie for a thousand years. Yes, it's and shocking that this is only the second weekend of numbers we're reporting on this movie. So, drop 62%. I had Woman King beating this out because I thought the drop was going to be bigger. And you know what? It was kind of close. $300,000 between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, Woman King could have easily beat it. But uh, this movie is a movie that people are seeing because of Harry Styles. And I do think there's an undercurrent of people thinking everybody's being too hard on Olivia Wilde and this movie isn't terrible. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone – I mean, the thing is no one goes to a movie because they think uh, social media is being too hard on the director. I think there are – obviously, it's fair to feel that way. I think we both could feel that way, that Olivia Wilde's taking too much shit for this movie. No one actively buys a ticket because of a thought like that, you know. Like I no. think that people don't have money like that lying around. Yeah, and, and it's that's never a that that in very few circumstances that type of thing is never a motivator to go see a piece of entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. I think with Don't Worry, Darling, it's just a terribly reviewed movie that has bad word of mouth and a sixty-two percent drop makes total sense. For this mm-hmm. movie and it's i mean i think at this point now the harry style super fans have seen it maybe seen it a second time i think they've moved on and now this movie is really gonna plummet going yes. forward i mean it well, is so it's not the season for it uh, it's not it, it's it's not gonna be the season for it really after this weekend well i mean it could have been if it was marketed more as a horror movie or is more successful in being a horror movie. You know, you mm-hmm. could have seen a world in which if this clicked as horror, it actually could have done great through Shocktober. But I mean, horror fans are not even thinking of this as a horror movie and no, no one is recommending in that way. And once the Harry Styles fans have seen it, I don't think young people care about this movie anymore. No, and it's it has no awards, no, uh, no awards uh, pedigree at all. It's 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 the, the it's not being talked about in any capacity in that way. So, people like us don't have any further interest in it. Yes, it is a movie without a country in that it's a, an awards play that is a critical disaster and is had no chance of getting awards consideration. It's a genre film that genre fans don't even consider a genre film. You know, mm-hmm. so it's not going to get a horror season runoff. And it's a Harry Styles movie where adults think Harry Styles is bad at it and kids have seen him in it once. And that's pretty much the end of that. So there's just real, no, there's no real hook going forward for this movie. And it's a Twitter punching bag and the punching is done. You know, mm-hmm. they moved on to the next the next uh, yes. target of ridicule. Yes. Um, let's talk about really quickly, The Woman King, great hold, mm-hmm. uh, down 36%, 46.7. Cume after three weeks. I mean, it's looking, I mean, this movie is a hit. This movie yep. is doing great, solid business. Yep. This is a movie that, I mean, could have some some awards consideration here mm-hmm. viola davis is being talked about i mean obviously because viola davis is always talked about for awards but i mean that's keeping this thing in people's minds i think as well and i think that's what's going to keep this thing going 
further than something like Don't Worry Darling. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the last weekend in which Don't Worry Darling finishes ahead of The Woman King. I mean, by Mm -hmm. next weekend, Woman King will probably make a few million dollars more than whatever Don't Worry Darling makes. Um, I jumped the gun a little bit this weekend. Yeah, but it was so close. I mean, Mm $300,000 is is so close. For a movie that was only going into its second weekend, it shouldn't have been Mm -hmm. that close. Um, Yeah, Woman King is, I think, just going to be really leggy. It's going to be one of those movies that probably stays in the top 10 for a long time and maybe hangs around longer than some movies that will open in the coming weeks. You know, and mm-hmm. then if it does get into the, it's very early to get an awards boost because it's came out in September. But yeah, it's a, it's the type of movie that if it does start to become a serious awards contender, that could help it stick around a little longer. Yeah, absolutely. Now, number five, Avatar, still doing really well, 4.6 in its re-release. This, you know, people are being getting psyched for this next Avatar movie. Yep. It's, you know, it's still one of the biggest movies ever. So I think there's a whole generation of young people seeing this for the first time. When we went and saw Pearl together, I don't know if we mentioned this on the show, me, you, and frequent guest Aaron Rose Foley? Chan. Aaron O's Foley Chan is what she goes by. Okay. We saw this at Pearl late at night, and we saw a bunch of kids, teens, mm-hmm. entering a, a theater that had to be playing Avatar. Yes. So yes. Some youngins are going to see Avatar. So that's good. That bodes well for that next movie, which we both think, we're not giving anything away, is going to be huge. It's going to be, yeah, Avatar 2 will do well at the box office. Now, let's talk really quickly, Pat, about a film that didn't come out in theaters and should have come out in theaters. And if it would have come out in theaters, it would have been the number one movie of the weekend. And I'm talking about Hocus Pocus 2. Yeah, so this is an interesting one because... A week ago, I would have said this absolutely should have come out in theaters. Mm -hmm. Three, four days ago, I would have said, I absolutely think this should have come out in theaters. Okay. As we sit here tonight, late Sunday night, you're listening to it on Monday morning. I still think Hocus Pocus 2 should have come out in theaters, but now having seen the first 25 minutes or so of Hocus Pocus 2 on Disney+. And I haven't uh, uh, directly conversed with her yet, but having gotten word from my niece, Celia, that she's seen Hocus Pocus 2 on Disney+, Plus over the weekend, and, and I've seen some of it, I've heard what she thought of it, I could understand why Hocus Pocus 2 didn't come out in theaters, because this is... Very TV movie quality. It it does, again, I've only seen 25 minutes, but just from that, it feels more like a 80s or 90s direct-to-VHS sequel than it does something made with theatrical in mind. Now, is it does hard that to matter? tell? Here's the thing. Right. Is it hard to tell because you're watching it on a television? That's true. That, it okay. definitely, I mean, seeing in a movie theater is a different experience for sure. Here's what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. The quality doesn't matter because Hocus Pocus 1 is a terrible movie. Okay? It, 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 is. it is a terrible movie, Pat. It's one of those movies that young people, a generation kind of catches on and says... This is one of our movies. This is Space Jam is an example. Space Jam is a terrible movie. And that is one of those movies that a generation has said that is one of our movies. Our generation, Goonies. Goonies is a terrible movie. All right. But there is a difference. If, Goonies versus what I have the 25 no, see, minutes I've seen of Hocus Pocus 2. You could no, no. you could understand quality level difference goonies is a movie that makes sense as a theatrical experience it feels 
it just feels like there's money behind it. Hocus Pocus but, 2, but, right off the bat, feels like they always knew this was a, had to be a TV movie. Well, then that's the problem here. Because sure. if you made a Hocus Pocus 2 that had the quality of the original one, which you said looked like, look like the movie, it could have been number one because I'm using Space Jam A New Legacy as a comp. Sure. $31 million that movie opened to. And that was a day and date film. Right. If Disney would have spent a little bit of more money to make Hocus Pocus 2 not look like Halloween Town right. or whatever Disney movie, right. you know, D- uh, Disney Channel movie, this movie would have opened to $30 million because there is an audience there. And it doesn't matter if it was terrible, people would go see it because the first one was terrible. I, I, I do, th- I still mostly agree. That even if they had changed nothing about the quality of this movie, spent what they spent to make it at this quality level, you could have had an opening weekend for sure. And a movie like this, to me, the strategy that makes the most sense is put it in theaters, put it in 3,000 theaters for a week, get the big Mm -hmm. opening weekend, and then drop it on Disney+. Plus sometime a week or two later you'd still have it on disney plus before halloween this year and then it would be there forever and it was a theatric it would be a theatrical movie it'd be a theatrical movie and you could still prop up movie theaters with some new product for a week which i mean listen we've talked about it before doesn't seem like that is a concern for disney you know no they don't care about theaters. theaters they don't care about theaters they're not looking to help theaters so that's not a concern because if they draw, yeah, you're right. If they drop this in theaters as bad as it is, um, it still would have just from inertia made 20 to $30 million. You know, kids would have went because rats need their cheese and kids will see anything. And kids love Hocus Pocus. Like I was talking about mm-hmm. my niece Celia, who of course, uh, review, watched and reviewed minions rise of grew with me over the summer. Um, she loves Hocus Pocus. You know, she's mm-hmm. five years old and she's seen Hocus Pocus legitimately 60 or 70 times. It, it's, it's, and, and, and let her say it stinks on the way to the parking lot. Exactly. Exactly. Don't let her say it stinks on from her, the comfort of her own home. Right. Right. Let her let, fleece her or, you know, her parents. I mean, she has a couple of dollar bills, you know, stashed around her playroom, but her parents would have bought her the ticket to see the movie. Or the movie you would have. I mean, fleece I you. Said, fleece me. And then after the movie, she could have said, this stinks. But Mm -hmm. theaters would have already got her money, would have got my money. Um, But yeah, she watched it at home from what I have heard because she won't, she she will not uh, talk to me and give her full review until I have seen the whole movie, which I think is such a great sign for the future of cinema goers is that this five-year-old mm-hmm. does not want to have a discussion about hocus pocus 2 unless you have also seen it because it's not worth yes. her time to just tell me what it was like she said no pat pat you have to see hocus pocus 2 so we could talk about it yeah. so that's why i'm gonna get through it right after we finish this recording but from what i have heard from what my sister told me her reactions were her immediate reaction was wow they got really old Mm-hmm. You know, which they did, which they did, as we all do, and we all do. Listen, she's five; she doesn't fully understand the concept of time, or you know, we tell her Hocus Pocus came out in the '90s. She doesn't know what that means. She doesn't know what that means because she's yeah. like, I just saw it for the first time a month ago. How they get so old? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a big reaction. And you know, when you think about whether this was going to the big screen or the small screen, who knows? There could be something in the contract of the stars stipulating they didn't want this on the big screen who knows but i don't think there was i haven't heard that i don't want to perpetuate that but you never know but from what i've heard from uh, my niece's review while they got old and the first one was much better and listen this is her not me doesn't like the new kids as much as the original kids so there's a star power issue yeah for sure you know the original kids for none of them went on to become uh you know miles teller or or uh, you know big stars or anyone but they had something in that movie at least 
Yeah, I think child actors had a different quality back in the day, less professional, but more realistic, I think. Not realistic, but- Relatable uh, uh, or, you know. Relatable, yeah. But I mean, uh, we're not critics. No, no, and we haven't even seen all- But here's what I'll say, having seen about 25 minutes in the movie, is that they soften the witches in a way Mm -hmm. which I don't think is going to help. You know, they try and make them- not as not as scary as they may have been yeah. in the first one. I don't think that helps. And I watched it for 25 minutes. And at the point I had shut it off, there was like a five minute sequence in which the witches were just walking around a CVS. And I think that goes yep. to show that this again may not have been the 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 most big screen minded type of film. You know that you just but have Pat- Bette Midler. Uh, uh, putting around a CVS that's not very theatrical. She had to pick up some preparation H. It, it made sense for, you know, kill two birds with one stone, sure. have a scene, she gets to pick up something that she needed anyway. So here's what I'm saying. Pat, you had no skin in the game watching this movie. That's the thing. It's like, yes, of course you're going to be a little bit more critical of it when you can shut it off at any time. Right. If you're in the theater, you would have to get up and walk out of the theater. Which I wouldn't right? have done. It instead wasn't of, but Instead of going... Uh, from you know, walking out of your living room into your toity and whatever. Right. You know, I pause it. I pause it to watch the Mets game. Yes, you don't have that option at the theater. So that's the right, thing is like right. to criticize it from your home is different than taking your niece to see it in the theater where you have skin in the game and you've only walked out of what one movie in your life. I have so two movies? I have never personally on my own account walked out of a movie. Um, I, uh, uh, because I wanted to, I've, I have had to walk out of three movies in the movie theater my whole life. Okay. One time, okay. fear and loathing in Las Vegas. I went with, uh, deep popcorn that okay. long time ago when that came out, deep popcorn, of course, our Hollywood insider it feeds mm-hmm. us uh, great information. Um, at the time, deep popcorn was hating this movie to a degree where he had to get out. I'm. I apologize off the bat that now I've revealed Deep Popcorn is a man. Um, so I hope that doesn't break Deep Popcorn's cover. But anyway, Deep Popcorn stormed out of the theater, was hating this Terry Gilliam movie. And so I just got up and left because I'm like, all right, let's just go mm-hmm. hang out somewhere else. That was one movie. I had to walk out of the film Adventureland on a date. Um, with only like 15 minutes left, she was hating it so much. And I was just like, this is fine, but mm-hmm. it's not good. But 15 minutes, really, we got to leave. Anyway, I had to leave Adventureland on a date. And directed I Directed by Greg Matola, of course, who just directed Confess Fletch. Wow. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the only other movie I had to walk out of was one of my favorite movies of all time, Synecdoche, New York, because um, the uh, person that I was with was getting way too stressed out during the movie. During one, Which is understandable. Yes. She was uh, honestly having a panic attack because mm-hmm. of just the the how obsessed with death the movie was. And rather than have this person go into a panic attack, maybe have a heart attack, you know, whatever was happening... She was like, we got to go. And so we walked out of Sedecti, New York, and I uh, had to finish watching it on my own on another date, you know, mm-hmm. on a, at another time. So those are the only three movies I've ever walked out of. Never of my own accord. Who knows? Hocus Pocus 2, I may have took my niece. Well, I guess she wouldn't have walked out of it because she did complete the film at home. So yes, had I taken yes. my niece to Hocus Pocus 2, it would not have been a case where I would have been forced to leave the theater, unlike the date I was on for Adventureland, unlike when Deep Popcorn had to walk out during Fear and Loathing, unlike when the person I was with had to walk out during Synecdoche, New York. Celia, you know, she's not going to walk out of a movie. She sits through it. So that's the thing. And so 
with with all of that, yeah, all of that. Said. This movie would have made Bafa Bobo, yes, big opening. Who knows what the hold would have been? But you know what? Like you said, the hold wouldn't have mattered because it would have been on Disney Plus the next week anyway. Yes, get that thirty million dollars. But Bob Chapstick doesn't care. Yeah, and it would have only been good press because the reviews would have been the same. Whether it came mm-hmm. out theatrically or on Disney Plus, the bad reviews would have been the same bad reviews, and the opening weekend would have created good buzz to counteract those bad reviews because the yes. opening weekend would have been big no matter what. It would have made its twenty, twenty-five, thirty million dollars, and that would have been the headline instead mm-hmm. of the bad reviews. The headline would have been. They still Bet Midler has her biggest opening at the box office since Beaches or whatever mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, God knows what the last big hit that Bet Midler has had at the box office. Drowning Mona. Dr- it, Drowning Mona is probably a bros situation where I bet you that movie opened to like four point six million dollars in in yeah. you know nineteen ninety nine or whenever that came out. So this for sure would have been Bet Midler's biggest box office for a a starring role in probably 20 years easily 25 million would have been her biggest hit ever or not ever her biggest hit in decades that would have been the story coming out of the weekend uh drowning mona opened to 5.8 million dollars in march uh march 3rd of 2000 so drowning mona did open to more money than Bros did this weekend. Bros, yes. Um, and yeah. So, uh, and real quick, just to yeah. go back to Goonies really fast. You had a knee jerk reaction to me saying Goonies is terrible. What I was trying to say with that was that if they created a legacy sequel for Goonies, yes, does it matter the quality of it or the quality of the original movie? That movie would open to twenty five or twenty six or possibly thirty million dollars. Yes, a hundred percent. No, I agree. Hocus Pocus should have had a weekend in theaters. I do think that the quality of it would have affected it, you know, in weekend two, weekend three. But you know, I get that it costs a lot of money to open a the- a movie wide. It costs a lot of money to promote a movie theatrically versus on streaming. Mm-hmm. But you would have at worst broken even on that spend just from what it made in its opening weekend. And then you would have had so much more awareness for it on your stream. And you, and you need theaters around so you can unload your next Disney movie onto them. Like that's the thing, Disney, you need theatrical. Yes. Yeah. You need it. Yes. You can't just have these theaters go out of business due to lack of product. And then, be confused when you have nowhere to put your next Marvel movie. If the theaters yeah. go out of business, you can't show these Marvel movies just in an empty parking lot. You got to have yeah, movie You're theaters. already planned out till 2025 or whatever. Right. And the way the movie business, theatrical business is going, it's shrinking to the point where how many screens are going to be available for that movie? Right. Right. That that movie that comes out in 2025. Right. So Hocus Pocus 2 is one of those things where it is just found money for a movie theater if Disney would have allowed it to be. Yeah. Well, Pat, so uh, where can they find us? Email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. We, of course, we love getting your emails. I mean, we love... Uh, like you said, you you called out wannabe oh boy Austin with his great predictions. He nailed it on Smile. Uh, we got an email. I just want to acknowledge this email. I want to acknowledge him. Danny, of course, the host of Ice Screen, You Scream for Movies, number four, you know, in the title of his podcast, sent us an email. He's just so excited about Smile being a hit because, of course, Paramount is his favorite studio. Subject line, Paramount strikes back. And then he says, no words to describe what this picture shows, but let's smile for Paramount this year. And then he sent a picture, a Photoshop that he made of the cast of Jackass Forever. But then 
he cut out and put in over the faces of most of the Jackass cast. He put in Tom Cruise, Sonic, Sandra Bullock, the Scream Mask, Channing Tatum, and the girl from the poster of Smile. He put those over, and he left Johnny Knoxville intact. So he didn't put anyone's face over Johnny Knoxville. And then it just says Paramount number one at the BO 2022. So, Danny, thank you for sending this picture. I'm going to tweet it out with the link to this episode. But it's an amazing Photoshop he made showing Paramount's dominance in 2022. All of their stars over the stars of Jackass Forever, who also Paramount stars. He he really just nailed it there. So we love getting stuff like that. Send it to us at the Podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. All right, Pat. Well, I don't think there's anything left to say. No. Except until next time. We'll smell you at the bar.